Good morning. This is BFC Live for Monday, August 17th, the summer edition. Coming up, our weekly Ask the Expert segment on BFC Live with Dario Yaganovich of CanDelta answering a question about licenses and profitability in the cannabis sector in Canada. At the end of the month, August 27th, join us for a Cannabis Forward networking and education event co-produced with our friends at Diversity Talk and made possible by Shopify titled Social Equity in Practice. You can sign up on our website at businessofcannabis.ca. As always, thank you to our partners, BDSA, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, and Torque and Mains, and we are protected by our friends at Alcit. Now, this Ask the Experts segment with Dario Yaganovich of Can Delta. Enjoy. Dario, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me again, Jay. Well, it's always great to connect with the CanDelta team on Mondays because we ask you as the experts and you give us really good answers. Uh, we're following up um, on a recent uh, conversation we had or a presentation that uh, Chris from your team did a few weeks back uh, on the So You Want to Open a Retail Cannabis Store shop. Uh, and it was great. And we had a lot of questions and we reposted those questions, which was amazing. But uh, there's a question this week that may get at that, but also gets at other things. Can I pose it to you? Absolutely. Hit me. So the question is, as a new license applicant, <laughs> this, is, this is loaded. So I'll give you that question already. Um, as a new license applicant, is cannabis still, and then parentheses, or at all, profitable? So that's a great question, Jay. I think that's one that we get quite often. Um, and I think I'm going to speak to the, the federally regulated market, um, less so on the retail. I'm sure Chris has gone into enough detail about how, uh, how retail is definitely profitable. But on, on the federal side, that's definitely, uh, definitely a great question right now. And uh, the short answer is uh, absolutely, I think so. And it's very important that it has to be done right. And you have to focus uh, your business to, to serve a specific aspect of the supply chain currently. Um, and that's going to really be the driver for success. So it's important to look a little bit at the history of, uh, of our industry. You know, in the, in the previous uh, uh, regulated regime, um, we, uh, we had a few license classes, but the, the array of activities that were permitted by some of those classes were, you know, quite, uh, quite limited in scope in comparison to something like the processing license that we have today. So a lot of the processing specifically activities were, were quite limited in their scope. And so because of that, you know, there were a few companies that uh, had, had had a foothold in the industry for quite a long time. And those were the auroras and the canopies of the industry at that time. And uh, you know, they had, they had focused them, themselves on the vertically integrated business models where they effectively do uh, everything under one roof, all aspects of the supply chain from the cultivation to the processing, packaging, labeling, and all the way down to uh, even potentially the retail, um, uh, retail sales. So uh, what happened was that there was quite a lot of uh, there was quite a lot of interest in, from the investors in vertically integrated models since they look really good on paper for that reason. Um, but, you know, fast forward, you know, now we're almost approaching three years of, uh, you know, the, the federally, federally legal market and things have changed quite a bit and they change uh, all the time within, you know, short, short amounts of time, big changes are seen. Um, you know, we saw in, in 2019, uh, the initial push to uh, to some of these bigger companies 
uh, started to decline a little bit with you know some somewhat less than um, positive uh, quarterly reports, and then we saw stock prices start to plummet. At the same time, uh, investor confidence uh, began to diminish a little bit, and you know effectively the bubble had burst. Uh, so uh, what had happened was because of because of all of these stories in you know early to 2020 as well we see, we saw these big layoffs um from from a number of companies and pulling back on their operations and closing down uh licensed sites in order to focus on you know reformatting their business model into you know into more focused approach and, and to drive profitability and so because of all of these stories we've I, I feel like it's been it's overshadowed some of the some of the smaller leaner companies in the market that are have a really focused and targeted product or service offering um which have shown tremendous promise in the background of all of this yeah and so with all of this as well has arisen the need for uh, additional ancillary services to support the existing license holders that are currently operating and this is in a number of ways from co-packing solutions to labeling, storage and distribution centers, raw material manufacturing, extraction services, product development, you name it. There's, there's quite a lot of gaps to fill currently in the, uh, in the existing market. And so it's, it's really important to you know, focus on, on one aspect of the supply chain and really, really drive home the product and service that you're, you're offering. And at the same time, you know, we're seeing a lot of applicants uh, on our end now um, coming to us from uh, previously operating as service providers in, in other similar industries, such as food or pharma, which are also heavily regulated industries. And, you know, they were servicing them as, you know, co-packers or, or, or storage and distribution centers, and they're now pivoting into cannabis. And so they're using their existing expertise in order to you know, move into the, the federally uh, regulated cannabis market. And so they already have the experience and the tools necessary to be successful and serve the, the supply chain with their particular offering. So I definitely think there's, there's tons of gaps to be filled for these, uh, uh, for these new license holders. And it's really identifying your, um, your fit in the supply chain. Yeah. And, and I, it's reflected everything you just said. And now I'm piecing it all together conversations that we've been having I mean, really over the past year of, uh, you know, there's some companies that are getting, you know, full licensing, but their whole business plan is really around um, the genetic part, right? Like they want to create the great genetics to then sell to bigger LPs or smaller LPs, right? Just have a great bank of genetics, right? That's, that's sort of one. We've talked to others that, you know, like a gummy manufacturer, like we're going to be a contract manufacturer for gummies. You have a flavor, you have a profile, you have a brand, you have product, you have anything, we will do that for you. Uh, similarly, extraction for hire, of course, we've, you know, we've seen Medifarm for a long time. We've seen um, uh, other, you know, uh, others as well. Um, but, but then, you know, we're starting to see some very specific slices being taken off. You're probably seeing more. I remember you guys tweeted, I mean, I don't even know how long ago it was, but you guys were really fond of the, um, the nursery license and the regulatory sort of hurdles were lower for that than for other things. And so from your perspective, if, it, if you were, if you were like on the sideline saying, I want to get a license, what are like looking at all the licenses, like if you were someone with a little bit of money and a passion to get into the industry, where would you focus right now? Yeah. Like if you like get one license, like what would it be from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, for, for me personally, I think, uh, and I think a lot of our team would agree as well. When it, when it comes to the license classes, the processing license, I think is probably one of the most valuable that you can get out there, uh, whether that's the micro scale or the standard. 
Um, the processing license is just the amount of activities that it, it can allow you to do. Uh, the possibilities are, are very large in comparison to some of the other ones. At the same time, it's probably the more most regulated out of all of the license classes for you know the requirements for like a quality assurance person and the additional GPP requirements. Those are all very important. Um, but the flexibility that you, you receive from having a license like that will allow you to do quite a lot. You can, with a processing license, be just a storage and distribution center. You can be just a labeler. You could pivot then into doing extraction later on. You know, it, it's really endless what you can do with that. So, and, and you can also do that, I think, under a smaller roof, depending on what, uh, uh, what type of operation you're running. So uh, I, I think, you know, it's, there's still a lot of room as well, I think, in, in the cultivation space, although not as much anymore, because I think it's going to focus more on, I think, the, uh, uh, the craft market, as people have been talking for quite a while. Uh, you know, the micro classes were, were intended to, to serve something like that to, to become sort of a, a uh, something similar to the craft beer market. But, you know, that's only starting, that, that's starting to take shape, I think, a little bit more so right now. And so especially with, you know, if you're planning to be a micro cultivator, I think that's still a really great venture. And the reason why is because, you know, maybe now, now that we're seeing these additional 2.0 product formats, we're seeing, you know, more rosins, we're seeing... Uh, other types of ex specialized extracts and edibles and things like that, uh, there becomes a need for more more specialized plants. Uh, so because of that, if under a under a micro or or a nursery, you could develop some of these you know more targeted uh, cultivars to serve very specific uh, areas of the of the uh, of the supply chain, whether it be like a high grade uh, flower for a rosin or you know just a, a craft dried dried bud that you want to sell yourself. Um, but yeah, I definitely think the processing license is one of the great ones, um, just because of the amount of flexibility that it can afford you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's, there's a lot of reasons as well. I just want to touch on yeah. why, why it's still a good time to, to apply just in general. So number one is that the industry is still very nascent. And I think people forget that because of the amount of stuff that happens all the time and how quickly it moves. We are just under three years into a federally legal market and because of that we're still learning as we go and right now is a, a time of great equilibration i think um, and and now people are identifying really what the needs are in the in in the supply chain and so there are now many examples of what works and what doesn't and so newcomers have a really good uh you know source of reference material to figure out what the what and how they can uh, service the service the industry now uh, additionally, big pharma continues to have its challenges in moving into the regulated cannabis market because, you know, you think that just because they're GMP and, you know, they're, they're, they have all this money that it'll be easy for them to pivot. But in fact, that's what makes it hard for them to pivot is because retrofitting these facilities is, is quite a challenge with the additional security requirements of, of cannabis, right? So um, they're continuing to have trouble. And so that's one less major competitor for you. Uh, on top of that, in a similar route, the U.S. is still looking like it's it's quite a ways away from legalization. Uh, we've seen, you know. So you're you're saying it's not the most pressing issue in the U.S. Uh, it's, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't comment on the politics of the U.S., but uh, I do think that you know 
they should put more of a focus on on legalization. I think that's an important thing, but I think it does benefit us in the short term that they, they aren't going to be legalized yet because it gives us more time to adapt to a regulated market while they're going to be a little bit more behind. So anybody entering now is going to have a little bit of an, an advantage on when the big guys kind of come in later on. Um, as well, you know, a lot of people ask about COVID-19 and how that's affected the, the, the regulatory uh, process in general. And I think from from our perspective, we've actually haven't seen a slowdown. We've actually seen it in some some aspects speed up. Uh, we saw CTLS 2.0 get dropped by the by Health Canada, and they've effectively consolidated significant portions of portions of their internal processes to allow them to you know allocate some of their uh, some of their resources into other areas, and particularly maybe you know review of of applications and things like that. So we've seen some people move through uh, the pipeline a lot faster than than we typically would have. So Overall, is it a good time to, to apply? Yes, I absolutely think it's a really great time to apply in, in the federal space. Um, but it's really important to make sure that you have a focused and targeted value proposition moving in there and, and be able to serve the, serve the industry and fill one of its gaps. Yeah. Dario, as, al as always, the Can Delta team has their uh, finger on the pulse of what's happening uh, on, on a local level, on a, on a provincial level, on the federal level. So we always appreciate our Mondays when we can learn from you and the team. So thanks for making time. And we look forward to catching up with you next week. Always happy to be here, Jay. Great. Thanks, thanks Dario. Cheers.